0: welcome back to another episode of medical laboratory science careers my name is gary stocker today we're going to be talking with the program coordinator at the university of missouri's clinical laboratory sciences program i'd like to welcome elise thompson to the podcast this morning hello elise how are you today
1: hi doing good gary thank you so much for having me
0: always a pleasure to chat elise has been a medical laboratory scientist for 13 years has her undergraduate degree from St. Louis University here in St. Louis, and she's gonna share with her, with us kind of the career thought process that she went through and then some of the things she's done as a medical laboratory scientist, and also she'll talk a little bit about the program, the clinical laboratory sciences program at the University of Missouri. And I guess, Elise, it always starts with high school. And just briefly, kind of share your experiences in high school and how it might have led you to start thinking about a medical laboratory science career.
1: Sure. So I went to a high school in central Illinois, and our high school was actually connected to Illinois State University. And we had kind of the unique experience of taking some college classes if we wanted to. Our schedule for high school was a lot like a college campus would be, so we may have a class at 9 a.m., and then we might not have a class again until 11 or so. So it was a really unique experience for us to kind of get into the college mindset right away while going to high school. Additionally, we could also take coursework that interested us in addition to the regular high school curriculum. So if we wanted to get involved in more science-heavy courses, we could take additional science-heavy courses. And that's kind of where my love for healthcare and um, I would say medicine kind of came into play. That's uh, what got me interested in figuring out where I wanted to go to college based on my end goal of being a medical examiner. And obviously, I'm I'm not a medical examiner, so we'll talk about that too.
0: (laughs) When when you look back on those high school science classes in particular, as a medical laboratory scientist, both personally and, and, and what you see with others, are those science classes still content you use on a regular basis as a medical laboratory scientist?
1: Yeah, I would say that a lot of the science courses that you take or could take in your high school career or even college career gear your brain towards critical thinking and that is kind of the basis for what we do in our profession so we have a problem and we need to be able to solve that problem so the problem is our unknown patient sample and we need to tell the physician or provider what's right and wrong with that so um, we as you know, science-minded people have to know how to critically think to get to that end goal. So I think a lot of the science education that we've received gets us into that critical thinking mindset.
0: And we're going to talk a lot about your experiences going through your decision-making process to be a medical laboratory scientist. Before we get there, I I want to jump ahead, though. And I know there are many folks who listen to these podcasts and the other videos that we have at MLS 2030. Who have, a, who have a Bachelor of Science in Chemistry or, or Biology, or will soon have one. What kind of guidance can you give those kind of college students about considering a medical laboratory science career on their own, and in particular, at the University of Missouri?
1: So I would say that anybody with a, um, or working towards a bachelor's degree, this is a great field to get into you can't there's several different avenues to get into this field but already having a bachelor's degree in a science heavy field is one route to get into the the profession and it's actually a relatively easy route to get into the profession
0: so elise tell us about a neat moment you had in your career as a medical laboratory scientist
1: sure yeah so working in the laboratory you see a lot of different things each day and i think one of the neatest moments that kind of allowed me to realize that i was in the right field was working on a patient specimen and it was a younger toddler age kid Um, and it was the first time that i had seen an acute leukemia on a blood smear and it was that first moment that I was able to, quote unquote, diagnose, even though I'm not a provider, but I was able to see that blood smear and know right away that that was an acute leukemia. That then triggered pathology review and getting that um, toddler the, the proper treatment for their acute leukemia. So I think that is kind of a moment that has stuck with me my entire career, just knowing for a second that we might know something that no one else knows about a patient's medical um, history.
0: Fasc- fascinating, fascinating story. You mentioned um, some career thoughts you'd had early on. How, how, at what point do you think you said to yourself, I think medical laboratory science is a career for me. What was kind of the decision-making process where you said, this is what I want to do?
1: Sure. So in college, I was in a major that was investigative in medical sciences, which is essentially like clinical lab science without the clinical rotations. It preps you to go to med school. And I had in my brain that I was going to be a medical examiner, and I was going to go to med school, and... Uh, everything was going to be great. Well, I started to realize how long med school is and how many um, years of my life that would be. (laughs) And I kind of realized that that was not something that was going to be conducive to starting a family and, you know, all of those things. So I kind of decided maybe that's not for me. And the other major that was in that program or department was clinical laboratory science. And I was already taking classes that were in that arena because of the two majors being so close together within the same department. And so it was an easy transition and it really solidified my my choice when I shadowed in the lab before I made that jump. And I knew after shadowing a couple different facilities that this definitely would be the career that would give me that helper um, mentality that I have always had. Um, it would give me that kind of well rounded healthcare job that I wanted to have while still being able to help people.
0: And and we, we know that, of course, the route to becoming a medical laboratory scientist, of course, includes high, uh, high school, and that there's an associate version and a, and a bachelor of science version. And in both cases, uh, the associate and the bachelor's version, there's an internship involved. And kind of share with the listeners what that internship was like for you, what you learned, was it very scary, and just kind of take it from there.
1: Yeah, so... My clinical rotation experiences were very intimidating at first. As a student, you go into a facility, you don't know anybody, you're being um, put with essentially a stranger who's supposed to teach you the the ways of the lab, and you kind of have this um, uh, fear that you're supposed to know everything when you get there. And the, the job of your clinical Um, instructor is to teach you what you have learned in your classroom setting, do the hands-on version of that. And so very quickly I realized it's not intimidating at all and that I'm really putting everything together because regardless of how much I learned in student lab, here's my chance to do it on a daily basis for weeks at a time. So it was a really great way to get all of the knowledge that I've learned really solidified in my brain to then be able to help me with my um, certification exam at the end.
0: And I know from speaking with many over the years that the, the thought process of taking a lot of science classes in college can be challenging. Can you share your experience of the, both the nature of the science classes that you took and how they kind of weighed out on the difficulty scale?
1: So um, admittedly, I repeated organic chemistry in in my undergrad. Um, I got a D the first time I took it. It's a hard class. And so I didn't want that to discourage me from my end goal. And it kind of taught me that it's totally okay to fail um, because you can pick yourself back up. And uh, kind of start over again. So I repeated it a second time. It took me an extra year of college to do so. But here we are. <laughs> and um, the, the the classes are tough. The classes are, um, they weed a lot of people out. But they're also a very good indicator if you're doing well that you're going to do well in the programs as well.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I hate to top your story, but... I was a country bumpkin. I went to a state school in Illinois, and I flunked Chem 1. I actually flunked Chem 1 and had to take it over again. I was a country bumpkin, didn't know what was going on. So, you know, it, it, it happens to all of us, and, and yet we still end up having this conversation about the career. And I think that's an important right. consideration. Some listening to this, there may be failures, may be set, there may be setbacks, but that's in anything that we do. Mm-hmm, Excellent. for sure. And the next two questions are really the best part and the worst part. So let's let's start with the best part. In your experience, what's the best part about working in a hospital laboratory?
1: I I have to go back to the helper mentality that I have that I get to have an impact on patients' lives without ever having to meet those patients most of the time and I have to work in a way that is cohesive with the rest of their care team, even though we're not at the forefront of, you know, the, the, the patient knowing who we are. So we're not the nursing staff. We're not the doctors. We are behind the scenes, but we still have such a huge impact on their care and treatment that they receive. That, that I think is probably the best thing about my job.
0: You know, I'm, I'm sure you heard this term before applying to medical laboratory science, but it's referred to as the hidden career. Do you agree with that?
1: Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Not, not yeah, too gonna... many people know who we are or what we do, but we have a hand in everything almost that happens with a patient while they're in care.
0: And I was reading a story recently that was talking about those folks that do stuff in the background for years of my lives every day. And they were using the airlines. And you and I rarely see the pilots. We rarely see the mechanics on the airplanes. We rarely see the baggage handlers. And yet they're a critical part of what gets us from wherever we're going to wherever we want to go to. And the same thing for our health. It is those folks with the education like you and I have in medical laboratory science that can tell us are we healthy or not. And it's, an, it's a exactly. challenge I know we all face in, in helping folks realize and make them aware of that as a career option. And that's one of the reasons we're doing this today, and I, I'm grateful for your time.
1: Well, I'm thank you part. so much for having me.
0: What's the worst part of working in a hospital laboratory?
1: I would probably say working hours sometimes, I guess, Um Working evenings or overnights or weekends or holidays, sometimes that can get in um, the way of your family life or social life or whatever it may be. Um, I think that it's a very small part of the career, um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that that should deter people away from working um, as an MLS or MLT. I would. I would suggest that um, they know up front what they're getting into by shadowing and kind of seeing what is involved within the profession, asking some of the people that work those off shifts and see kind of, you know, what their life is like and if their life is impacted by those, those hours. Um, But I would say that was probably going to be the worst thing that, that affected my life in working in the lab was the hours sometimes.
0: And I would guess that every physician and nurse and pharmacist and radiology tech and respiratory therapy tech, they all have worked their Christmases and holidays and, and evening shifts and middle of the night shifts. It's, it's, if you're looking at healthcare as a career, that's really part of the gig, especially in the early years of that career.
1: Absolutely. I, I tell all my recent graduates that they have to put at least a year in. Usually within a year of them being hired, there will be a position that opens that they can move to a different shift, but you got to put your year
0: in. So put your guidance counselor hat on, and if you were to give one piece to a high school student or even a college student listening to this podcast, considering a career in the medical laboratory, what would that one single piece of advice be, Elise?
1: You have to shadow this profession. Um, Get in there. Get into the hospitals. Choose a couple different hospitals that are vastly different. Choose a rural hospital. Choose a trauma center. Choose a physician's office laboratory. Do something to get yourself into a lab and watch people and what they do. Um, That will let you know if this profession should be for you or not. That's the best piece of advice that I can give to any student looking into this career,
0: and probably for any I any career period, whether it's in healthcare or not. You know, shadow a nurse, shadow a pharmacist, shadow a physical therapist, shadow a physician—all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Great, great tip, great idea. I know I've been around longer than you; those who look at my image can tell. Uh, and and the changes that have. The technology changes and the science changes and the data changes that have taken place in the last 10 to 30 years in the medical laboratory have been stunning from my perspective. Share with our listeners today what you find most fascinating about the level of automation in today's modern medical laboratory.
1: I think automation is crazy sometimes. It is insane to me that we can put a specimen on Uh, um, an instrument, a machine, and it takes it, reads the barcode, runs it, caps it, aliquots a sample off, stores it away in a refrigerator. Like, that's nuts to me. Um, I think that it's very awesome for our profession that we have the ability to use these robotic arms and everything to kind of help us do our jobs. Um, But I do know that robots are not going to take our jobs um, someone will still have to be behind the robot <laughs> to tell it what to do, to fix it when it breaks, um, to troubleshoot using our brains. Um, but I think automation is just at the tip of the iceberg right now with with what we're going to be able to do and see in the profession within the next 10 years from now. I think it's going to be um, a lot more molecular-based. Um, molecular automation instrumentation is going to be... I would say probably the next big thing um, in in the laboratory, and I really can't wait to see what's what's going to happen.
0: I want to back up just a little bit. We, you, I know you've worked in medical laboratories before, and a lot of, of, of listeners I know from conversations with them who don't really have an idea what a typical shift is like in a medical laboratory. Can you think back to maybe what a typical shift was like at one of the first – one or two laboratories you worked at in your career?
1: Sure. So um, when I was fresh out of school and just starting my first job, um, I was on an evening shift for the majority of my um, uh, experience there. And I did kind of split shifts sometimes where I worked a 12 and then a 10 and then a 10 and then an 8 and an 8. And then the next week I, I worked it a little bit different. So it's kind of one week really heavy and the next week was more vacation days and then it just flip-flopped but when i would get to work it was go 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 the entire time we were a small rural facility and i was um, some of the time phlebotomy and running the tests so our um, staff in our ers or our psych unit did not draw the blood so we would have to go draw the blood and then bring it back to the lab and then run it. So it was a lot of running back and forth. A lot of um, troubleshooting instrumentation. Because again, I was on evening shift. So it was me. So if an instrument broke, I was there to fix it. And it had to get fixed quickly. Because we were the you know, critical access hospital in the area. And so we couldn't break. We, we couldn't shut down. Um, but that's not necessarily typical of... of Every facility that you work in, for instance, when I worked at the VA hospital, um, it was a lot more relaxed and a lot more normal pace because we have lots of staff in there. I was on day shift and it was easier to kind of get things done, I guess, um, in in a way that was more conducive to... Um, I don't want to say casual lab work, but it was it was easier to get things done because there was more staff working. Um, so that was a little bit different experience than I was used to. But I've worked day shift. I've worked 5 a.m.s, I've worked um, evenings. I've done a couple overnights. It's just um, kind of all over the place, really.
0: And you'd mentioned phlebotomy in that response. And of course, phlebotomy is the act of drawing blood. Um, and you know, all med techs, medical laboratory scientists are exposed to that. Just for those listening, can you briefly share what the act of phlebotomy is like and maybe describe a brief experience of how you learned to be comfortable doing that?
1: Sure. So in my training, um, way back in the day when I was in college, um, I did my clinical rotations at the um, transplant unit at Barnes. So The first probably 10, 20 patients that I had, we had to draw upwards of 25, 30 tubes of blood from a patient. So I was thrown into it, (laughs) but my trainer was excellent. And um, so that's really where I learned how to draw blood was not typically the norm. So I became very comfortable with it very fast when we were just doing routine draws at the rural hospital that I worked at after I graduated um, so it,
0: it's probably, um, it's probably important to usually, add that not very many patients, it's probably important to add that not very many patients have 20 to 25 tubes of blood drawn.
1: Correct. <laughs> yes. Most people we're talking maybe four or less tubes <laughs> in a routine blood draw. Um, so learning at such a high volume, um, I learned very quick how to draw blood, which was, which was nice, um. Because then when I was on evening shift on my first job, I was sometimes the phlebotomist, so I had to get blood from people. So having that experience really helped.
0: And then before we talk about the Mizzou program, uh, we've talked about the career process to becoming a medical laboratory scientist. And I know that there are college students listening to these podcasts and, and some of them, or many of them probably, have that Bachelor of Science in Biology or that Bachelor of Science in Chemistry, or they're close to having that degree. What kind of guidance would you give them regarding considering a career, using that Bachelor of Science, and developing a career as a medical laboratory scientist?
1: So some of the students that come to us are in that same boat hey i have a bachelor's degree in a science heavy field i don't i can't find a job i've learned about your profession in a roundabout way and i'm really interested and i want to get into this profession how do i do that Um, there's a couple different routes that they can go if they already have a bachelor's degree they can either go through um, a program like ours where then you'll end up with Um, another bachelor's degree, or you can go the associate degree route um, where you can earn an associate's degree, work as an MLT certified for a year, and then um, as long as you went through a NACL's accredited program after a year of working, you can then sit for your MLS certification, assuming that you have um, the proper undergraduate coursework that ASCP requires. So there's a couple different routes that you can go and I would highly encourage you to look into the different routes and to see what fits best.
0: Excellent and then let's let's last two questions really regarding the Mizzou program, uh, the University of Missouri program and let's focus if we could on the typical 16 to 18 year old high school student They and their families, they and their parents are starting to consider what kind of college, what kind of college major. Tell us how they would start the process of considering University of Missouri and your clinical laboratory science program.
1: Sure. So a student can contact me anytime via email. Um, I would encourage them to reach out to our health science advisors and talk with them about an advising appointment Um, for our health professions careers, Um, I should say degree programs, Um, and after they kind of go through the process of applying at Mizzou, um, they would do a couple years of undergraduate coursework, very science heavy, um, and then all your gen ed courses that you would um, have to have for a degree at the University of Missouri, and then in the junior year of their schooling, they would then apply to the clinical lab science program. There's an interview that we do, there's um, a couple different pieces, a letter of intent, Um, then we kind of make our decisions on how big our class is going to be and how many clinical spots available that we have for those students. At that point we would then tell the student if they're accepted or not, Then they would have to do background checks, drug screen, um, provide immunization records to us, and then the summer of their senior year is when they would actually start our program. So we technically are a 3 plus 1 program where you would end up with a bachelor's degree at the end of it where you are eligible to sit for your ASCP exam.
0: And finally, would you explain what ASCP is for the listeners?
1: Yeah. um, It's American Society for Clinical Pathology, and they provide us the gold standard examination for the medical laboratory science profession. They certify um, people in lots of different laboratory careers, including MLT, which is the two-year level, and then MLS, which is the four-year level.
0: Okay. Well, least you have provided us with some fascinating, and thorough set of information for medical laboratory science as a career. Uh, for those listening, I will make sure to include Elisa's email address in the description below in the podcast so you can reach out her direct to her directly. You can, of course, also reach out to me through our MLS 2030 site. I will include that contact information as well. And we'll conclude this episode of Medical Laboratory Science Careers, and we'll look forward to the next podcast soon.